I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The World Cricket Show is The World Cricket Show is proudly supported by Newbury Cricket. Quality bat makers since 1919. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show crashing back to reality this week in just about the most depressing way possible. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'll be your host tonight. And my depressing co-host is Tony Kerr. Hey. How's it going, Tony? Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, getting through life. <laughs> getting through it. Progressing. It's a ringing endorsement. Yeah. I'm getting through it. Yeah. Uh, no, all good, thanks. Yeah. The party's over. If you've been listening over the last few weeks, you'll know that the last sort of string of episodes of the World Cricket Show were all recorded in the Caribbean, uh, where we were following England's progress. We were in St. Lucia, we were in Barbados for the first couple of ODIs. This week we're back in your flat zone, eating cereal, surrounded by mountains of your unwashed clothes. The good old days. <laughs> it's yeah. uh, back where we belong, some might say. Back to earth with a bit of a bump. Yeah, no, it's all good. Uh, I mean, it was fun while it lasted. <laughs> Getting through it. <laughs> it was fun while it lasted. And I mean, actually, you look at it, you know, we'll discuss, uh, you know, imminently the T20s and, and other cricket stories. Uh, but, you know, given how those matches played out, I think we made the right decision to come home when we did. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, St. Kitts, you know, I'm sure would have been lovely uh, for a few days. But, you know, given, given the way those games played out, yeah. I think we uh, we pulled the plug at the right time. And it was a close-run thing it as well. Was, yeah, it had nothing to do with running out of money or having to get back to work. It was much closer than probably I should admit to my work <laughs> to us just yeah. staying out there, just not getting on the flight we'd booked and never coming back. We've still got our memories though, eh, Tane? No one can ever take those away from us. <laughs> time will take those away from us. <laughs> oh... Oh well, here anyway, we are. We might do it all as, again in three years' time. We might as well make the best of it, and uh, you know, in this depressing little flat that we're in at the moment, it might not be the Caribbean here, but we can try and make it feel like the Caribbean. Time with a bit of a party atmosphere. Maybe you can put some reggae on, uh, crack out the the banks and the starburst and the, <laughs> all, the, all the things. All the iconic Caribbean things: starburst, <laughs> KFC, yeah, plantain. So, do we have chefette here? I don't know. Make it feel as though we're still out here. I and mean, we've been back for two weeks at this point, and I'm still, I'm still not over it. Uh, but yeah, let's, let's do our best to make it feel like the Caribbean and, and talk about cricket. We've got plenty of cricket to talk about. That England tour of the Caribbean has come to an end. It's not just us who have come home now, Tone. It's the players. Uh, so we're going to be looking back on that T20 series and the, the ODIs before that and assessing the tour as a whole. We've also got plenty of stuff to catch up on around the world as well. Australia or in India, actually playing the fifth and final ODI of that series as we speak. So we'll have live updates 
on that game, which I'm sure will be very relevant to everyone by the time they're hearing this podcast. Sri Lanka in South Africa as well. And then we'll be coming back to England for the latest on The 100, uh, which everyone's very excited about. So plenty to talk about, Tone. Should we dig into it? Get going. Where should we start then? If you cast your mind back to the top of the show, you might remember that I mentioned that England's tour of the Caribbean has come to an end. Uh, and it finished in rather different fashion to how it started with a, a, a confident 3-0 whitewash for England in the T20 series. Last time we spoke, Tone, uh, we were in Barbados drinking banks and eating Starburst. And it was just after the second ODI with that series all square at that point, one all. It finished all square as well after a, a contrasting couple of games in Grenada and St. Lucia. A breathtaking Joss Butler 150 seeing England through to 418 in Grenada, uh, only for West Indies to get very close to pulling off a record run chase, only just falling short. Uh, so England went 2-1 up, but they were then destroyed in the final game for 113, uh, which West Indies knocked off uh, alarmingly quickly. So that series finished 2 all. Uh, but then there followed a very one-sided T20 series uh, in favour of England this time. Some impressive bowling from Chris Jordan and David Willey and some impressive batting from Sam Billings, amongst others, uh, saw England bulldozing a, a pretty tired-looking West Indies team in all three games. So, Tim, what do you make of it all then at, at the end of the tour? I've seen a few people describe it as a long tour. I've seen a few things on uh, on the social networking platform Twitter and other places saying things along the lines of, you know, God, this tour's been going on going on forever. You know, or England still playing cricket in the Caribbean. <laughs> but I don't know. Does it does it feel like a long tour to you? Uh, no, it went too quickly, really, didn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think so. God, yeah, without... I don't really know where that's come from because they played three tests, four ODIs, and three T20s. They played ten matches on this tour. I think in terms of days, it was only like four or five days short. One ODI got washed out, though, didn't it? One ODI got washed out. Yeah, but yeah, I think in in terms of of days it was only like three four five days shorter than the Sri Lanka tour certainly compared to like an Ashes tour or an India tour it's nowhere near as I don't really know where this notion's come from but no I wouldn't say it feels especially long yeah on top of people saying it's perhaps been a long tour some people have you know, been talking about whether T20 internationals should be binned off uh outside of World Cup years I mean for us obviously like the, these T20s did feel like a bit of an afterthought mm. uh you know a bit like a you know cool down after our own mini tour, uh, you know, and that's not helped obviously by the fact that the the games just weren't competitive. I mean, it, it was a pretty limp end to the tour, but no, I think it's been it's been really good overall. Yeah, perhaps that's why people are saying people have at the end felt like it had dragged on because those last couple of games, you know, wasn't especially competitive cricket. But yeah, I don't know. I I, I think to me, I, I was just the only reason I mentioned that is because I was surprised to read that because it's felt like the opposite of a long tour for me in the sense that I just don't think it's dragged on by any means yeah maybe the last couple of t20s but before that you know i think it i think it was a fantastic couple of months and and might even go so far as to say one of the most enjoyable england tours that i can remember probably does have a lot to do with the <laughs> fact that i was in the caribbean for two weeks as part of that um but no i think it's been a, i think it's been a fantastic tour though that being said yeah as as we mentioned the, the t20s didn't quite catch fire in the way that you know the the games in the other two formats did extremely comprehensive win for England. Does that change the complexion of the tour at all, do you think? Like both for England, obviously ending on a high, maybe also for for the home side, you know, does it take any of the gloss off off the way they've played before that? Like how how did you feel about these T twenties? Is it just a kind of 
bit of a you know hit and giggle that we can shrug off or does it does it change the way you see the tour at all that's a long question uh no <laughs> i mean I, I can go on yeah. if you want. <laughs> i think marginally but only marginally really uh you know i guess because from england's perspective you know the next two sort of major things are the the 50 ever world cup and the ashes you know obviously for west indies the world cup uh so in a way these t20s are fairly irrelevant in the grand scheme of things at this point in time so so yeah i think it's only marginal you know yeah a big positive for england to see uh jordan and willie come in and do so well with the ball like really encouraging that you know we, we didn't see uh didn't need to see anything from england with the bat in the end uh in terms of like sort of pressure batting although saying that you know root had a good mini series uh sam billings chipped in didn't he with 87 from 47 so you've got there a few names who yeah it's, it's encouraging to see a, a still kind of forces to be reckoned with because it has been quite a stable setup hasn't it in terms of limited overs cricket for england recently i i, I don't know how far you can take that though in that like yes they did play very well but west indies just didn't really turn up in these games, did they? Particularly the two instant kits. It just they just didn't seem up for it. Like it, it which was a shame because they've obviously they played so well before that. And maybe this was just kind of like after the Lord Mayor show type thing. You know, the the party's been going on all night and they're starting to think about breakfast. They just weren't at it, and like that isn't really or shouldn't be acceptable. But that is kind of what happened. So you know perhaps England need to take these performances with the pinch of salt in a way I mean I think for West Indies they also as well as like not necessarily having the motivation or at least once things started to get away from them the motivation was completely gone they didn't you know they didn't fancy sort of digging in they did also make a bad decision in terms of just picking their ODI team like they just took the same squad from the ODI series and and picked the same players in the T20s and I mean yeah certainly in hindsight that was the wrong decision you know the idea behind that being they played quite well in that one day series, just try and keep the momentum going, keep these players together in the run up to the World Cup. But actually it may, it's had the opposite effect and that it's possibly sapped a bit of yeah, life out of them. Exactly. Upset a bit of that momentum. And and it, you do need different skills in the different formats. You know, England's white ball teams are pretty similar, but there's a few sort of tweaks and, and you felt from the way Jason Holder spoke about it when he was asked about it in the post-match interviews, he was just like, well, no, I mean, it's just, it's just a shorter game, isn't it? And it's like, well, it isn't actually it is quite a different it's a different game um but yeah so i don't know how much england can read into that but there are yeah plenty of encouragement that they can take in the individual performances but then to have only drawn the 50 over series was a disappointment wasn't it you know we we certainly expected them to win that and it ended in very disappointing fashion with them being bowled out for 113 so i mean on our pods in barbados time we were talking you know pretty gushingly about the England 50 over team and their World Cup chances. I mean, how do you think it all looks now? Did did, did that 113 all out, has that changed the way you feel about it at all? Or, or how are things looking at this point with, what, three months to go to the World Cup? Yeah, I don't... But it's probably too strong to say, you know, it's come at a good time because yeah, England have kind of... Whilst they've been brilliant and are, you know, top of the tree at the moment, they, they have kind of flip-flopped around with a few dodgy results over the last couple of years. But it's probably a use, slightly useful wake-up call. But, you know, in terms of... had quite a few of them, though. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's absolutely uh, obliterated in one game in Sri Lanka as well. There have been a few of them. But, you know, you look at the way the, the World Cup's structured, 
you know, it will be a catastrophic or it would be a catastrophic failure if England didn't reach the semi-finals. At at that point, it's just a a two-game playoff, isn't it? And, you know, I think England have got, you know, as good a chance as anyone. You know, I don't think it really massively affects, you know, it shouldn't have any bearing on, on how England approach the tournament going into it. You know, it, it might be slightly different. You might be slightly more concerned if it was like a, a three-team group in England. If England were to lose one game, you know, they'd or a four-team group, and you know, mm. I don't know. Uh, but just the way it's set up, yeah, you, you'd, you'd sort of you'd bet your house on England, you know, bossing it. Yes, it, well, it would be pretty amazing if they weren't one of the the top four teams in that group stage. I suppose, yeah, the concern is just they clearly do have a propensity to to collapse like this, you know, to absolutely capitulate. And given that it is going to come down to a two-game playoff, as you say, there's every chance that one of these, you know, that they'll capitulate in one of those games. Um, It is true that they seem to struggle to adapt on trickier pitches. You know, the pitch in St. Lucia when they were all out for 113 was was fast and bouncy. And it was the kind of pitch that maybe they ought to have been thinking about 280 rather than 400. But they weren't able to adapt to that or, or to, to change their mentality and a lot of the batsmen got out trying to force the pace more than perhaps they ought to have done but I don't know I'm just a bit nervous about how much chat there is about this now which I suppose we're contributing to right at this point at this moment yeah, you brought it up mate yeah but I just feel like what do we want them to do do we want them to stop <laughs> well okay that's an easy easy question to answer i suppose but do do people who are talking about this and and talking so kind of negatively about the way england played in that game do they want them to stop batting in the way they have and to not be aiming for 400 i mean they, they have over the last four years they've become the best white ball team in the world and the way they've done that and, and certainly england's best white ball team ever and arguably one of the best white ball teams ever and the way they've done that is through that kind of fearless swashbuckling batting and i just really don't want anyone getting in the heads of the players at this point so close to the world cup leading them towards pulling the brakes a bit i, just I don't, don't know I, yeah i, I... I, I get your point. There's, there's a risk of it, but I think you know it, the way England have geared themselves up over the last few years for this. Surely it's it's kind of it's too late for for second kind of thoughts you know, to dwell on those kind of stuff. You, you know, you're just gonna have to they're gonna have to go for it in, in the way they've done it. And I, yeah, I, I think that I think they'll be okay. Well, I think they I think they probably will, and I think they definitely should. But just given England's history of kind of throwing all plans out the window <laughs> two <laughs> yeah. weeks before a World Cup, I do just have a slight concern that that might happen if they, you know, if they collapse again in the Pakistan series or something, that, that there will be a lot of media pressure and that maybe it'll get in the heads of some of the players. I don't know. I just feel like they need to go for it. And if they're bowled out for 113 in the semi-final, so be it. Yeah, quite. You know, if they go, if they score 400 two or three times in the group stage or, you know, you know, if they, if they blow away the group stage and then they collapse in the semi-final, then, then yeah, you're you're right. That's like that's unfortunate, but well, you, you just know, have that, to take it on the chin. Yeah, exactly. Just get on with it. There is there is scope though within uh, kind of that tactic, isn't there? To to readjust slightly when things begin to to run away from you a bit. You know, it's kind of basic cricket physics, isn't that's it? True, you yeah. can't. You know, so, so you're, you you know you're right. They. They they don't need to score four hundred in every single match because the you know the bowlers are good enough, yeah, you know, and the fielding's you know is brilliant enough to you know they can defend smaller targets if it, you know if they're if they're batting first and certainly you know I guess when they're you know when they're chasing they just have to do what they've got to do as much as clearly 
everything has been building towards this World Cup and it's England's best opportunity ever to win a World Cup. It actually isn't the be-all and end-all. Like, what are we saying? That if they're, if they, you know, after this four years that we've had, if they if they sort of dazzle their way through the group stages and then are bowled out cheaply in the semi-final and lose and don't win the World Cup, does that mean it was all not worth it? Like, as an England fan, this has been an unbelievable four years of white ball cricket. We've never had this before, a team like this that plays such thrilling, entertaining cricket. Like, we take it for granted now whether or not they win the World Cup. I'm just glad that they've played in this way and it's it wouldn't negate the last four years if they're you know if they collapse in the semi-final it wouldn't mean it wasn't worth it and I just think they've got to they've got to just trust themselves and and go for it yeah exactly and I, you know, I think I've said it before on on this pod but you know there is a mentality in the British media in the English media rather and and to a certain extent amongst some you know English sports fans there's a kind of expectation that that England should win everything they enter all the time uh you know there'll be we should be winning the nations league and the football the cricket world cup and the rugby world cup this year they're all expected <laughs> to win yeah uh which you know obviously is is implausible and you know there are there are plenty of other strong and stronger candidates in all of those potentially but you know you just hope that they they don't there's no just complete monumental cock like brexit level cock ups really <laughs> in the team don't you uh don't mention the word Brexit. But, you know, you look around the world, you know, look at India with, with Kohli doing what he's doing at the, at the moment in, in ODI cricket. And, you know, if, if England fall to Kohli in the semifinals, then that's not going to be no great shame in that. No, well, but that, I mean, that's slightly different in that if they just lose a close game, then, you know, I don't think anyone will hold it against them. But if they're absolutely destroyed in the way that they were in this game in St. Lucia, then people will ask questions. But... Just think, it, it, it's a it's a consequence of the way they've played. I mean, it's it it doesn't mean that it's not a necessary, like an unavoidable consequence, but it is a consequence of the way that they're playing. It just has been happening, and I I just hope they don't sort of panic and and try and change tack now when they're so close. I mean, going back to the T Twenty series. Chris Jordan had a, a terrific few games, took two for 16 in the first game, four for six in the second. Is he making a, a strong push, a strong case for, for selection in that World Cup squad? Well, I guess so, yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, there's not that many spots up for grabs, either what, a squad of 15. Uh, you know, there's, there's a few names, obviously, in contention. But, I mean, it, it's, it's superbly encouraging to see him you know, playing like that and we, you know, we've known that he's been, you know, we've known about Chris Jordan obviously for quite a long time, and then what, you know, what kind of player uh, he is and can be. So, yeah, good to see him kind of reminding people of that now. Yeah, I mean, he hasn't Where, played an ODI exactly. for two and a half years. Whether, yeah, whether you'd bring him in at this point or, and then you know, you're going to mention Joffrey Archer in a minute. Uh, don't preempt time. You don't know, you don't know what I'm going to do. Today. You're going to mention Joffre Archer. Uh, you know, how do you get both of them into the the ODI squad? You, you probably don't. And by the sounds of it, Archer's going to get uh, going to get a go of it. Uh, so one ODI against Ireland and five against and Pakistan. then five against Pakistan. Yeah, and a, and a couple of warm up games. So you know he's going to get a go of it there. So you're, you're probably looking at injuries if Jordan's going to get the nod. Yeah, and and also like. As impressively as he did bowl, I think he bowled, was it seven overs or eight overs across the three games? I mean, that's not even one spell in a in an ODI. So as well as he bowled it, it does seem, 
you know, again, it would be it'd be something of a knee jerk reaction, I think, to suddenly be like, you know, to suddenly change the 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 makeup of this squad that you've been building up that you've been building up over four years off the back of less than one spell in an ODI. But I mean, the the notable thing in the way Jordan bowled here was that a lot of his wickets were at the the top of the innings, weren't they? This wasn't death bowling, which is what he's been known for before. It was just kind of good line and length bowling hitting the edge. Um, you know, it wasn't kind of T20 specialist wide Yorkers slower ball bounces. It was it was bowling that you think actually that would be really That's good bowling handy yeah. in an ODI. And I suppose the other thing going from is that he's one of I'd say maybe even one of the two or three best fielders in the world. And again, some amazing amazing catch in that second game. So he's got a lot going for him. But I agree with you. There's probably not room for him and Archer. I mean, yeah, I am going to mention Jofra Archer now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Jofra Smith. He is qualifying for England or he will have qualified for England selection before the next ADI and you do wonder like it, it was interesting that quite a few of the England bowlers seem to be on really top form in in those T20s and especially the ones who are kind of on the fringes of the squad in Jordan and, and David Willey two questions for you saying is do you think that's like the threat of Joss, Joffre Archer the, the ghost of Joffre Archer looming over them a bit um, and would you pick him Potentially, yeah, <laughs> potentially. I mean, I, it's, it's a really hard one. I think we've probably, neither of us have seen a huge amount of him. No, I'll be, be honest. Brutally I honest. Seen I've, 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 I've mostly watched him on YouTube. Yeah. And, the, you know, he's been talked about for a number of years now. Uh, so it's not, you know, it's, it's certainly, obviously, it's no fluke and he will be a significant presence in an English shirt in the not too distant future, you'd have to imagine. Uh, yeah, I'm slightly torn on it. I mean, I you know, cricket's a sort of sport that it's not like a sort of, it's not like football where, you, you sort of build a system and then, you know, swapping someone out, you know, might jeopardise that. You know, obviously England have a, a, a blueprint that they're they're playing with at the moment in one day cricket, but, you know, you kind of, you know, swapping out one bowler for another wouldn't necessarily upset that too much. Who who drops out? I don't know, you were a bit worried about Plunkett yeah. out in the Caribbean. Uh, he did all right, actually, yeah. in the end. I mean, I think you've got to give him a go and, yeah, potentially... To, you know, off the back of that I don't know yeah you, you maybe have him in your squad for sure there's probably not much point waiting around you know if he is if he is as good as he promises to be you know it's like when Peterson came in mm. uh you know they didn't hang around waiting sort of for him to you know any you know they didn't give him unnecessary time to sort of just bed into the setup he was just straight in and you know then look at how that turned out yeah and I mean it's kind of it's a, it's amazing timing I mean arguably suspiciously amazing timing in that you know ECB changed their qualification rules and everything but but he is qualifying right before the World Cup because it gives him time to just come in a lot of batsmen around the world won't have seen that much of him and he, he could have a, a you know a kind of transformative impact but you know I suppose we just need to to keep up out of dry a little bit because I think he's played 14 50 over games like list a 50 over games ever so it is mainly off the back of T20 that people are so excited about him he, from what I've seen, he is incredibly quick and exciting and has real wicket-taking potential. He's also an incredible fielder. Some of the... the, the there was a catch he took in the Big Bash. Have you seen that? Where um, I think it's uh, cutting, just absolutely belts it back at him. Yeah, Archer, the bowler, and he just like sticks a hand up and like before you... You can barely even see his hand move and he's taking the catch. So he's a great fielder as well. So he's going to... You know, he, he would add a lot. But, you know, again, you, you just worry that... On the one hand, it could be like keeping the bowlers on their toes and motivating them to to perform well because they don't want to be the one to to miss out. It does also add a kind of element of 
of uncertainty and fear into a squad that was actually quite settled. And it would be kind of classic England to, after four years of great success, drop Plunkett and Willie and bring in Jordan Archer, you know, the, after a lot of consistency to just kind of throw everything out the window just before a World Cup. So there is a big part of me that wants England to just stick to their guns and, and stick to the formula that's worked. But, you know, clearly Archer does have something about him. So I, I, I think it would be foolish to not at least have a look at him in these, in these ODIs against Ireland and Pakistan. I'm just kind of ready for that now. Do you know what I mean? It's annoying that there's yeah. like a couple of months of nothing, well, IPL, before the World Cup. You mentioned this already, Tony, this, this, this chat that's lying around about the idea of scrapping T20 internationals off the back of these games that have been quite flat. People may be wondering sort of what's the point of these. I mean, what, what do you think, Tony? Would, in an ideal world, if you were put in charge of, of cricket, would you, be, uh, would you be scrapping T20 internationals? No, I don't think so. I, I mean, it's now a kind of never-ending issue, isn't it, in cricket? Of like, how do you squeeze them all in? I think it would be... Well, I don't think they're going to scrap them, are they? And it, it would be, in my opinion, wrong to, on the basis they've only just opened up T20 international kind of status to all of the other associate teams. So, you know, for example, Guernsey and Jersey, we're in Guernsey, uh, are going to be playing three T20 internationals in Guernsey in a few weeks, uh, you know, for the first time. And those, they, they, yeah, those players will be, you know, compared statistically now with players around the world you know at every level so that, that's really exciting for them I mean yeah it partly it's because the games were so poor isn't it mm. for sure but yeah I don't know how do you squeeze them all in maybe you maybe just play one t20 before the series you know obviously we've got a 50 over world cup this summer I wouldn't say that you only play the short form of the game that's kind of coming up in a world tournament but maybe you know maybe if you I was to schedule it one t20 match before uh in between the the t- the tests and the ODIs or I don't know something like that yeah well I mean personally I'd be playing the T20s and the ODIs before the test but yeah but yeah I know it. I hear what you're saying I think it is it, it is because of these three games that have been really quite poor you know flat certainly and and uncompetitive and the fact that there's a 50 over World Cup coming up in a few months time so everybody's focus is understandably on that so it's like well why are we why are we playing a different format now or like trying to trying to read into the t20s things to take forward for the 50 over game is like well why you know we shouldn't be playing these we should be playing 50 over um but i, I think it would be pretty reactionary to now be like oh, we should get rid of international t20s I, mean, I don't think there's been any actual moves that way though so it's just people saying well let's get rid of them no it's just people's opinions isn't it but um i th- i feel like people overthink cricket in a lot of ways or they i mean i'm obviously one of those people but or they they're desperate to find problems with cricket but like the fact cricket has three formats is actually one of the best things about it and t20 is so different to the other formats and that is something to celebrate and i think to to not play that at international level i mean yeah people no one's talking about getting rid of the world t20 but to not play much of it at international level would seem slightly self t20 world cup yeah, sorry, T20 World Cup. Thanks for correcting me. I really appreciated it. Um, yeah, which seems like self-defeating given that international cricket, at least for the time being, remains the the primary form of the game, the thing with the most eyeballs on it, etc. Yeah, T20 is much more disposable, isn't it? You might even say forgettable. But isn't it a good thing that like you can come in from work you know, of an evening, sit down and watch three hours of cricket and it's a complete game and it's exciting and you know not always but it's you're getting something from that that you're not getting in the other formats and why 
remove the possibility of that like it it might be it might not be as meaningful or, or live in the memory as long as the other two formats but it is its own thing and I, I don't really see what the advantage of getting rid of them is i mean yeah i guess it's it's muddied slightly by the hundred which we're going to talk about in a minute i'm just reading the parroting the agenda back at you here <laughs> but then i guess also the 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 number and scale of the t20 domestic tournaments around the world i guess there is an argument like do we need mm. international t20 cricket yes like we want to see international teams playing against each other in t20 cricket at a world 2020 at at a 2020 world cup it's the 2020 world cup tone yeah it? cheers mate cheers uh but but yeah i guess there is an argument to say well just leave it to the domestic franchises in between yeah but, potentially and and i suppose i'm speaking as someone who has very little interest in those domestic franchise leagues i, I don't really watch any of them so for me you know it's not like i'm not kind of drowning in t20 as perhaps some people might be and then and then are saying well what what are we getting from these internationals that i'm not getting from the the psl the cpl etc i mean yeah so you know another just another point you know on that you know it's easy you know behind your keyboard to to be like oh yeah they shouldn't be playing you know what's the point in playing these t20 matches in that country over there or here or wherever well actually yeah for for people in st kitts and for people who went to watch the cricket in St. Kitts, great, you know. Yeah, they had a great time. A few extra matches. Yeah, it's a shame that the matches turned out to be damp squibs, but, you know, when there's a T20 international series, you know, they're they're well attended. People want to go and see it. So sort of, if the stands are empty, then yeah, maybe you'd think, oh, well, what's the point? Yeah, I, 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 I don't really see the argument for, for getting rid of it, I have to say. And actually, incidentally, there's only a year to go until the next <laughs> T20 World Cup. The so, build-up starts now. So, you know, while we're, you know, obviously right at the moment, everyone's focused on the 50-over World Cup. Actually, you know, teams around the world do need to keep an eye on their T20 side because it's not that long to go uh, until until that. England have got one T20 against Pakistan at the start of May. Yeah, I, I mean, arguably that's a little bit pointless. I will, <laughs> I'll concede that. Uh, but yeah, generally speaking, I, I, I think they definitely have a place. Um, so yeah, for for England, then it's it's been a, an, an up and down tour. I think it'd be fair to say, or a down and up tour. But um, for West Indies, a, a, a disappointing way to end. But you know they're going to be pretty excited. I think about the way they played in that ODI series. You know, even in the two games they lost, they still posted massive scores with the bats. So definitely things for them to uh, to be encouraged by. You know, Chris Gale back in the side, looking formidable, even if he can't run. You know, <laughs> uh, uh, incredible aggregate of runs across the series and what was it he hit a six every eight balls i think on average it was astonishing stuff shea hope shimron hetmeyer darren bravo uh you know that that's a very strong middle order isn't it and evan lewis to come back in sheldon cottrell i thought you know was a was a terrific addition he had a a great few weeks and um, perhaps needs to give the salute a rest now do you think is it have we have we seen enough of it at this point y- yeah possibly <laughs> i don't know no it's good fun but it does it's, look like it looks kind of it looks just a bit like a lot of effort. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I think it works really well if it's like the first wicket in the innings or if West Indies have posted a score, then England go out and lose two early wickets. It's like, and everyone's, the crowd are getting really excited. Like it definitely adds something there. But in those T20s, when England are kind of strolling towards the target, it's like, all right, Sheldon, yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe put it away. 
they're definitely, I would say, moving up the list of, of favourites for the World Cup. You know, a few months ago they were nowhere, but but this team, I think, has a pretty solid look about it now. We'll see what happens in terms of whether these T20s have, have taken the wind out of their sails at all. But I don't think you'd fancy playing them in a in a knockout game, would you? And that's the thing, really. You know, I, they've got to get to the semi-finals, but yeah, they're 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 in the conversation mm. for sure at this point. I mean, don't forget they had to qualify for the World Cup and it came pretty close to not qualifying for the World Cup. So to now be in a situation where, you know, they'd be amongst the favourites, I think is, is you know, not in the kind of top bracket with, with England and India, but not miles behind. I think that's that's a pretty remarkable turnaround. I mean, it, you know, it, this tour, I mean, I think it's just been a, it's been a tremendous couple of months for cricket in the Caribbean, hasn't it? And putting those T20s to one side. Does it feel as if a a corner has been turned in some way. So I'm holding my glass of water here like it's got white wine. In yeah, it. yeah, yeah. I'm just like swilling, it. swilling it around. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah possibly. You know, it's, it's, always, it's always early days, isn't it? It's always early days. But yeah, I wouldn't talk it down. It's been, yeah, it has been really good. And you know, some of the people esteemed, uh, you know, veteran observers and, and former players, you know, who are saying, well, yeah, this is probably the most kind of positive they felt in... 10 years or, or more so that's yeah it, it's a good start it's a it's a, a promising start of a recovery i made this point a few weeks ago but i think what's new now is that you know win or lose this west indies team is almost certainly going to produce exciting cricket in all formats including crucially test cricket and that does feel new and it you know this team feels like quite a box office team now doesn't it I, you'd imagine next time West Indies come to England or when India go to the Caribbean in July, you know, I think people are going to be sort of queuing up to watch that, aren't they? You know, Roach and Holder and, and Gabriel bowling and Hetmeyer and Hope batting, even John Campbell batting is, is an exciting thing, you know. Because it wasn't that long ago that, and as much of a legend as he is, you know, watching the West Indies was just watching Shiv just trying to stay in, basically. <laughs> yeah, just hold, build any kind of total almost single-handedly. Yeah. So yeah, it is exciting that they that they they can perhaps play uh, you know a little more on the front foot, or they want they've got the ability to. Shivnarine Chanderpool, I should say that is been to the Caribbean now. It's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you and yeah, Shiv were just hanging out playing with Boba. Shiv. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row, dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Let's talk about some other things, Tone. Uh, there have been some other series going on around the world. Australia are in India playing some ODIs, again, uh, in the, in, as part of the build-up towards the World Cup. Uh, and it, it's come down to a deciding ODI. I think, this is, I think I saw this stat 
that this is the sixth the sixth time in the last eight bilateral ODI series in India that it's come down to a decider in the final game. Um, and yeah, we're in that situation now. India won the first two games, but Australia bounced back to win the next two. Uh, and yeah, it's all coming down to the wire as we speak. And perhaps we'll come back to this. Uh, Australia having posted 272 for nine. India are 182 for six. So Australia on top, but these two have put on 50 or so. So we'll come back to that and find out who actually won the series. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 been a, it's been a cracker. Some amazing batting. Uh, Virat Kohli with the hundreds in the second game and the third game, absolutely relentless. We've talked about him plenty. Uh, but yeah, Usman Khawaja has actually outscored him in the series. Another hundred from him today. I think I think you've got to give Australia a lot of credit whether or not they do pull off this this win today. You look at that team on paper and you wouldn't say it's one of the strongest ADI teams in the world, but they've t- to come to India and at very at the very least to have run them this close when a lot of people would say India are on the same sort of level as England in terms of being World Cup favourites is a is a fantastic effort. We'll come back to that tone and find out how that game actually ended. Should we move down to South Africa? Love to. Uh, where Sri Lanka are touring. There's an ODI series going on there too, but we haven't really had a chance to talk much about the Test Series there, which I know happened a little while ago, but it is worth discussing at least a little bit because it was one of the most remarkable Test Series in recent memory. We did mention a while back, and I'm sure everybody saw that extraordinary innings from Kusal Pereira that won the first Test in Durban. Sri Lanka chasing 304, got there with one wicket to spare. Kusal Pereira, 153, not out. Um, now, you tweeted about this, Tony, and got... Do you become part of a Twitter moment? <laughs> is that what happened? Possibly. <laughs> it's, after your blue tick on Twitter, is that your, the, your yeah, the second... Yeah, it's all part of the club, isn't it? Second yeah. proudest moment yeah. of your life when you got the notification to say you'd been made part of a moment. But you were saying that Kusal Pereira innings... It's the best test innings since when? What do you reckon? I don't know. <laughs> Good. I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. We are definitely prone to, uh, yeah, prone to to big up recent hundreds. Cricket is prone to big up recent stuff, isn't it? But it is. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be one of the most remarkable. It's just into, like I mean, the series win as a whole. Uh, the fact that Sri Lanka went on and, and took the series was was remarkable. But yeah, I yeah. didn't say that, did I? They, no, they, exactly. they won the second game as well, one two no. Uh, but yeah, just given the situation, the player involved, the opposition, the historic kind of situation of, of you know Sri Lanka playing in South Africa, where they've where the two sides have been at in recent years, yeah, it pretty astonishing. It's quite difficult to explain as well, actually, isn't it? Because as you say, well, Sri Lanka in winning that series became the first. Asian side ever to win in South Africa. I think South Africa had won their last, what, seven or eight series in a row at home before that. Sri Lanka over the last few years have really been on quite a steep decline. We saw them get whitewashed 3-0 at home by England. The South African bowling attack, you know, Stain, Philander, Rabada, Olafir, you know, you, you would have just thought would be way too strong for that fairly threadbare Sri Lankan batting. And yet they've gone down there and won 2-0. I mean, it's it's certainly one of the most surprising and arguably one of the most impressive Test Series victories by any team in the last, like, 25, 30-plus years. Yeah. It's hard to think of too many others that would that would compare. So, yeah, extraordinary stuff right here. And that Kusal Prayer innings will, as you say, be remembered as, as one of the all-time greats. Not least because, 
you just wouldn't have picked him to be the guy to play. It wasn't, no. even, it wasn't even in the team in that England series. And, and and the manner as well, wasn't it? You know, it was, it was like proper backs against the wall situation, but he didn't really play like that. It was just, uh, you know, he hit five sixes and, you know, kind of, it was just a, a fearless way to get over the line. Just amazing. Things have gone from bad to worse for South Africa since then because uh, one part of that fearsome bowling unit that I mentioned, Duane Olafir, um, has signed a coal pack deal to go and play county cricket for Yorkshire, so has opted out of international cricket. Now, we've talked about coal packs before, Tony, we don't need to go into a big, long discussion here, but I have to say I was that's one of the most disappointing pieces of news uh, in cricket that I can remember seeing for a long time. It, it was... It, it, depressed me just because you know well firstly the way Yorkshire announced it like they tweeted something about them being thrilled or delighted or something to announce the signing and I do feel I understand that counties are out to look out you know that they first and foremost need to look after themselves but I think there's a way of doing these things like it's to have made that signing like it is just it's net negative for cricket to talk about it as though this is some like great coup it's like I just think it's a bit tone deaf at the very least, and and I, they've they've got to figure. Out, I mean, Brexit might sort it, but they've got to figure out some solution for this coal pack thing because it's there's now like a you could make a an international standard team of South African players who are playing on coal pack contracts, and that just can't be good. It's a crazy situation that the sport has got itself into. If you take a step back, if you just look at it from the outside, the fact that there are all these you know world class players who've opted out of playing international cricket are like legally not allowed to do both is is kind of bizarre. Yeah. No, quite. I mean, you, you compare to any other sport, uh, yeah, players should be able to, yeah, they, they should have the freedom to, to do both, uh, you know, whatever the situation. And, and I, you know, there's, there's, there's so many issues wrapped up in it on the, uh, and, and so many parties involved, but yeah, you'd think we could do better. Yeah. And, and the ECB have some responsibility, certainly the ICC do in the yeah. sense that, Olafir, I mean, the thing about Olafir, as opposed to, it was obviously bad enough when someone like Morney Morkel or these other guys who have gone when they went. But the thing about Olafir is he's, what, 26? And he's just at the beginning of his international career. He's had this really great summer and it felt like a kind of real breakthrough thing for him, a real fine for South Africa. And then he's just opted out of playing international cricket. You just think it can't be right that it makes more sense for him financially to play for Yorkshire than to play for South Africa. And that's obviously true of a lot of countries around the world and it's one of the things where for all that we're excited about the way West Indies are playing there's you know you you hesitate to get too carried away just because who knows what will happen in terms of whether they can keep that team together because of the financial imperatives that those players face but surely the ECB and the other cricket boards of the sort of big three have some responsibility to make sure that there's like a more even distribution of money and this is you know this comes back to the whole kind of big three takeover but it just doesn't make sense that if you play for one country, you're earning so much more money than if you play for another country to the point that if you play for that other country, you, you'd rather play domestic cricket in that first country. Like, it, it, it's not right. Yeah, and it, yeah, and in the long run, well, in every run, it, it, it weakens the product, weakens international cricket's product. It weakens South Africa, uh, you know, South African cricket's product because, you know, if, if half their, you know, or, yeah, decent chunk of of their international standard players, you know, aren't available. You know, what motivation is there? What incentive is there for people to go and watch in South Africa? Uh, so, yeah, it's pretty short-termism, isn't it? Yeah. 
as I say, very disappointing. Uh, well, speaking of English domestic cricket, should we talk about the hundred? Same. I get the feeling this might not be the last time we talk about the 100 on the show. It's not the first time either. Uh, but there's been a, a few developments in recent weeks. Tom Harrison giving an interview to the BBC, which is worth worth discussing. Uh, but also they finalised the playing conditions. So we now know, Tone, how the 100 is going to work, right? So you ready for this? These yeah. are the rules. 100 balls per innings. I mean, that was obvious, but uh, 100 balls per innings. A change of ends after 10 balls. Bowlers deliver either five or ten consecutive balls. Each bowler can deliver a maximum of 20 balls per game. Each bowling side gets a strategic timeout of up to two and a half minutes. A 25-ball power play start for each team. Two fielders are allowed outside of the initial 30-yard circle during the power play. So that really simplifies things, yeah, then, doesn't it? Beautifully. Yeah, beautifully. Where are you on the 100 now? <laughs> Did you see that Tom Harrison interview? Yeah, I think we... What did he say? It was one of the... The quote, the sort of headline quote was that the 100 has been, quote, a success already. Yeah. It's kind of, not to get, uh, not to bring that word back again, it is like, it's Brexit level delusion, isn't it? It, it just in terms, it like... Brexit klaxon. Just because, like, per side, any other opinions about the, the product that they're creating, how can you say it's been a success already? That's, that's insane. What is he smoking? Because there's, like, it's all well and good saying, you know, it's it's uh, put cricket, like, you know, on the back, you know, it's got cricket in the, the sort of sporting sphere, again, if it, if it was ever out of it. But it really hasn't, has it? No, like, literally, literally, and you'll be the same for you, I'm sure. You know, people know that you like cricket. Yeah. You know, you're well known <laughs> as liking cricket. Literally, no one since the, the thing was even kind of first mooted or, or any, whatever, no one has mentioned the 100 to me. No. From any, apart from you, you're the only person <laughs> who's talked to me about the 100. Yeah. Of course uh, not. Of course they haven't. Not even people who really like cricket who I'm friends with, or we're friends with, or, you know, and we occasionally talk about cricket with that I haven't mentioned. No, like, no one cares. It's, it's an utter irrelevance at the moment in terms of like general, the general public. Yeah. I mean, it, you could make an argument that, well, it hasn't happened yet. So when it happens, then they'll get excited. I mean, I think that's complete fantasy, but that's presumably what Harrison thinks or should think. But the idea that it's been a success already, that people, as he puts it, outside the cricket bubble are like clamouring for this tournament is like almost certifiably insane. I think, like, <laughs> what is he talking about? I mean, he went on to say, uh, we, yeah, we've managed to excite people outside the traditional cricket bubble. We've managed to create Who's, something. I'd love, to, I'd love to know who he's talking about. <laughs> I don't there. know. Well, he said, we've managed to create something that's excited partners. We've managed to generate new revenue, new, new levels of exposure to this tournament, reach to a wider audience. I mean, I think. And that, by partners, he doesn't mean like, you know, boyfriends and girlfriends, you <laughs> no. know, does he? So. I mean, I think that's quite a revealing quote, actually, because that's what this whole thing has been about, hasn't it? Is It's never been about the fans. I mean, it, they actively don't want current cricket fans and they say that what they want is fans from outside the bubble but really what they're talking about is money um, is money yeah is is advertising partners etc corporate partners and that's obviously the case for all professional sport to, to, to at least some extent but it's like it's the nakedness of this that's so galling and the idea that people who currently don't like cricket are really excited for this tournament that's going to happen in uh, 15 months time because it's simpler. I mean, he says uh, 
it's optimised short-form cricket. We're getting people to reappraise cricket in terms of their perceptions of what the game means to them and ultimately addressing the complexity of cricket, presenting it in a simple way. I mean, that is, that's like a, uh, that's a bad university essay sentence, isn't it? Like, <laughs> yeah. that, like what does that even, that, it's utter nonsense. Yeah, it's hard to kind of pass that sentence, but you know, what he's ultimately saying there is that we've made cricket simpler and and therefore people are excited about it. People who don't like cricket are excited about it. And that is just utter nonsense. Like, it isn't simpler. It's, yeah, actually, it's, actually, it's actually more complicated. It's literally not simpler. In what universe is it simpler that bowlers are either bowling five or ten balls? You know, that you get a change of ends after ten balls. I just don't understand why they think this is simple. So what are they going to call the 10 ball change events? I don't That's know. That's the end of the... Is it, are they going to call it an over? But then it's not an over, is it? Because then what's a five ball? Is that half over? It's just such a stupid idea because if it doesn't add anything, it doesn't solve anything, it doesn't make it simpler, it makes it more complicated. But if the bottom line was we need to make it shorter because T20 is too long, it's slightly too long for terrestrial broadcasters to be interested. And that might be what has what sparks this whole thing off, possibly. The, the BBC or whoever said, I'm sorry, but we just can't take it. It's a bit too long. T10 would make more sense than this. At least that, I mean, I wouldn't want to watch that, but at least that is a complete game of cricket and you're not fiddling about with the rules and you're not making it more complicated. And also, if it is the case that the, that, you know, the whole idea is they've got to make it slightly shorter, that's then undermined by having strategic timeouts, like bringing that in from the IPL and so it's just, the whole thing is just the nonsense tone, isn't it? I mean, the last thing cricket needs is a strategic timeout, <laughs> yeah. doesn't it? Because like every, in between every ball is a timeout, yeah. effectively. So, oh, it's gathering, it's interesting, isn't it? It's interesting. <laughs> we do live in interesting times, Tone. Yeah, I mean, it is going to be fascinating to see it all come together. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, uh, you know, after the next few weeks, Theresa May can come on board and, and deliver the 100. But it is, uh, yeah, hopefully someone is making a documentary about the formation of the 100 and the, the establishment, you know, the, all this kind of stuff behind the scenes and then, you know, following it all the way through. We need to. We get, should have done that. We should have done that. We really need to get Harrison on the show. Should we make a documentary of us trying to track down Tom Harrison? He's <laughs> like camped outside the ECB for weeks on end. It'd be good to have a chat with him. Oh, all right, Tom. It's yeah. great to meet you, Tom. Love the 100, Tom. Love, love what you're doing with the 100. Love what you're doing with the strategic timeouts. 10 balls from each end. Great idea. Much like British politics this week, this episode of the World Cricket Show has been orderly, uneventful, and not in the least bit terrifying. Time, though, to bring it to an end. Have you enjoyed yourself tonight, Tim? Yeah. It's been good to get back to it. Yeah, it has, hasn't it? It's good to be home. Is it? Yeah. Is it, though? <laughs> Well, yeah, as we said at the top, it's been a bit of a change today from our, our recent episodes in the Caribbean and certainly uh, a very big change from our most recent episode uh, where we did an interview with Gordon Greenwich and Desmond Haynes. Did you have a chance to listen back to that, Tone? Yeah. You did? Some of it. No, I haven't Some finished it yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I was there. I was there. So like, I'm like, I wonder what they said. <laughs> yeah i listened to some of it yeah <laughs> it's like our friend friend of the show patrick wrote an extraordinarily long trip <laughs> trip advisor review of china red our favorite chinese restaurant and uh, when we went there recently we were chatting to the owner he's like a you know become a friend of ours as well 
And Patrick said to him, oh, did you read my review? And he went, yes, some of it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, well, that was a fun time uh, that afternoon with Greenwich and Haynes, wasn't it? And I just wanted to say, you know, thank you to them because it was so great to meet them and they're such nice guys. And we've had a lot of um, feedback from listeners, uh, a lot of comments on the social networking platform, Twitter and other places. So thank you to to everyone who has written in because it's been great to to read what you think. There's a tweet here from Ian Hudspeth. Fascinating and at times very funny podcast. At times, I like that. <laughs> yeah. Fascinating and at times very funny podcast. Staggering to find out that young West Indies players still don't tap into the knowledge that these guys possess. And that that did seem to be something they were quite keen to get across in the interview tone, wasn't it? That they they do feel like they have something to offer which they are not able to offer at the moment. And after chatting to them, you know, I really hope that they can find a way to get more involved in the West Indies setup because it, it just seems like a win-win, doesn't it? It seems like a win-win for everyone if they can get more involved. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And, you know, certainly come across at you know, this stage in their, their kind of... I don't know what's the word in their lives. Lives. What's the word? <laughs> lives. Lives. Uh, yeah, yeah. They come across as, as very genuine, eager, uh, you know, genuine people, eager to to help. So yeah, it seems it does seem a bit crazy. I mean, they're pretty much the nicest people in the world, aren't they? They're just incredibly nice, and it was very nice of them to uh, to to give as much of their time as they did. Um, and yeah, it was a real thrill for us. But I mean, the question now, Tony, is where do we go from here? Yeah, I mean, I really think all of our podcasts should be recorded uh, with, yeah, really nice legendary cricketers uh, <laughs> by stunning beaches with some very serviceable wine to drink. Uh, we don't ask for much. We don't. We really don't. We really don't. So, yeah, where's next? Well, anyway, I hope everyone enjoyed all our podcasts from the Caribbean. It was a, it was an absolute blast for us, real dream come true stuff. <laughs> I was say, it was an absolute pleasure <laughs> to, to bring them. Back on our normal schedule now. We'll be back in a... A week or two's time to uh, to discuss more cricket, I imagine. There's a lot. I mean, there's a hell of a lot coming up, isn't there? There's, the county season is only a month away. Less than, Less than think, yeah. yeah. A few weeks or a few days away. It's hard to believe given how cold it is outside today. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the World Cup coming up. Big fantasy tournament mm. to look forward to there. True. Already started doing, yeah, putting a few names down on paper. <laughs> Fear at Coley. You've got a, <laughs> yeah. Get we can yeah get some real kind of uh, inside baseball. How much? How much tips. are they going to charge for Virat Coley yeah. in an ODI fantasy league? Uh, we've got a lot of work to do on your fantasy team, saying because you've had a bit of a nightmare the last few global tournaments. I think a few's a bit of a stretch. I think I, I think you edged me in the last one, but before that it was. If only there was some audio record <laughs> we could go back through and find out what happened but yeah hard to remember so anyway, lots of that and what other stuff is coming up? ipl ipl yeah so plenty of cricket to talk about um so yeah we'll be back soon to talk about it but in the meantime get on our social we're on facebook facebook.com slash cricket show we're on twitter at cricket show we're on instagram at world cricket show send us an email if you want to get in touch world cricket show at gmail.com uh, and if you enjoy the show and you want to support it uh, a couple of ways you can do that you can do it with your cash at patreon.com slash cricket show pledge a regular amount uh, to to help keep us in business leave a rating write a review on itunes or, or whatever podcast platform you use because that does help to to bring new people to the show so uh we're very grateful to everybody who does do that i think that's all the plugs i think that's it for the podcast tone all that remains for me to say is stay in school and uh we'll see you so, next time question time <laughs> 
All about Wednesday Thursdays. Yeah. Thanks very much, and have a great night. Uh, we're going to be in uh, we're going to be in Didsbury next week. Altrincham the week after that. All right, Tone. Cool. Thanks for your contributions tonight. I'll talk to you soon. Jerry. Bye for now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. <laughs> 